It is a time for children this morning. Kids, I want to invite you to come up for our time together today. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Oh, sorry. Good morning. Hi, Cooper. Hi, Wesley. Good morning, Casey. Hi, Michael. Good morning, Hank. Good morning. Welcome. I'm so glad you're in worship today. It is wonderful to see you. Hello. Come on up. Now, this morning, just now, Pastor Clay read two different things from the Bible, from the Old Testament, and they both had something to do with loving our neighbor. And we're about to hear a parable. I know some of you were in Sunday school this morning and heard a parable. Did you work with a parable this morning? And it had something to do with our neighbor. So this morning, um, instead of me doing all the talking, I want you to help our church understand our parable a little bit. Which parable did you hear this morning in Sunday school? The Good Samaritan. Samaritan. Had you ever heard this one before? Some of you had? Was it new for some of you? Yeah, it's one that it's one that we talk about quite a bit in church because the scriptures that Clay just read and the one that Pastor Valerie is about to read have to do with the most important thing that we can do. And Jesus uses that story to tell it. So as you are working with the Good Samaritan in Sunday school today, I wonder which part of the parable... I wonder which part of it was your favorite. Can you share with us which part was your favorite? Cooper, which part was your favorite? The part that was my favorite was when the Good Samaritan came along and rescued the guy. When the Good Samaritan came along and rescued the guy. Yeah. Bennett. When the Good Samaritan helps the person. That was your favorite. Hmm. Looking to see if anybody else. Oh, you have a second favorite? Another one of my favorite parts is when the the Good Samaritan took the guy to the well after he said he could stay the night. He took him to the place where he could stay the night. Yeah. 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 I wonder which part of the Good Samaritan parable you thought was the most important. Which part do you think was the most important, I wonder? Um, When the Good Samaritan came along. Hmm. I wonder which part you thought was most important. Hmm. Now, even if you weren't there, I bet you know the story of the Good Samaritan. Okay, I have one more. I wonder... In the story of the Good Samaritan, I wonder where you were in the story. I wonder which part of the story was about you. That's a hard one. Hmm. What do you think? Which part of the Good Samaritan might be about you? Which part of the Good Samaritan might be about us? 
in our church, do you think? What do you think? We help at Austin Street, don't we? So the Good Samaritan reminded you of our church, helping at Austin Street. Tell us what we do at Austin Street. How many sandwiches do we make? As many as we need. 10, 20, 200. As many as we can make. 215? It's a lot of sandwiches. It's a lot of hungry people. Yeah. Any other part of the Good Samaritan story you think might be about you? About our church? Yeah, it's a hard... We're going to have to keep thinking about that. Well, if you have any more thoughts about it during church today, will you come and tell me after? Yeah, because I want to hear it. Yeah, I want to hear it. But I do know, I do know that you are a blessing. I do know that you are a blessing. And there is good work going on in you. And there's going good work going on in this church because you are here. And I want to give thanks for that this morning. Let's give thanks. Can you hold a hand with a neighbor? Got lots of neighbors this morning. And say, dear God, thank you for our neighbors, for loving us, for working in us. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Amen. Amen. We are beginning a new worship series on the parables today, and as Pastor Caroline mentioned, um, in worship we will be looking at the same parable that the children are doing in godly play upstairs on Sunday mornings, Um, and so I think that that will make our worship experience that much richer, especially hearing from our children on the same parable. We are hearing a story that is very familiar um, to many of us, Um, and in fact, I mean, people who aren't uh, experienced with the church know this story. So let me encourage you to hear it with fresh ears. We're in Luke chapter 10, and we will begin reading at the 25th verse. Listen for the word of God. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. 
Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whichever, whatever more you spend. Which of these three, do you think, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. It's a little daunting to uh, try to prepare and preach on this parable, because we all know this, right? We know the story, and it preaches itself, doesn't it? It preaches itself. So what can be said about this parable that might be new or that might be a bit enlightening or that might help crack it open for us again. And I think part of our task in looking at a story that is so familiar is to try to make it strange. Try to make it strange again. When Jesus told parables, he usually used the stuff of everyday life. He looked around and saw an agrarian society, a lot of tenant farmers, a lot of fishermen. And that is the stuff, by and large, that he used in his parables. So one way of making the parable strange for us again is to realize that the stuff that Jesus used that was so commonplace in his day is not commonplace for us anymore, is it? This notion of Levites and Samaritans and that kind of thing, um, that is not common to us. So let's go back to the beginning of the text and look at what brackets both sides of this parable, and then that will help us, I think, crack it open a little bit. So there is... A young lawyer, that's the term that the text uses, and I think a better translation of that is a young student of the scriptures. A seminary student, shall we say. (laughs) And seminary students, we want to please our teachers. Yeah, we do. We want to please our teachers, and we want to look like that, you know, 
we're doing the reading and that we're kind of getting it and we're contributing to the class and things like that. And so I like to think um, that maybe that's what's going on with this young man. I think historically we have tended to look at him negatively, that he's one of the ones that's trying to entrap Jesus. But maybe he's just the young seminary student who's checking out the hot new rabbi in town. You know, the one that everybody's going to hear and everybody's hearing stories about his healings and his exorcisms and things like this. And so he's there kind of checking it out. And his question to Jesus is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Is a question that for many was a burning question especially considering that Palestine was occupied by Rome. What must we do? What must we do to usher in the kingdom of God and get these dang Romans off our backs? It was a burning question for many. It was also a burning question to wonder what the kingdom of God looks like. How do we know When the kingdom of God is going to appear and Jesus used parables to answer that question and to try to show what God is like. So the student asked the question, what must I do? And so Jesus kind of reflects the question back to him, you know, a chance for the young seminary student to show his intelligence and his knowledge. It says, well, what do you read in the law? And so the student, he has studied the law a lot. He studied all 613 commandments that are there, and he chooses two that he thinks are definitive for living the life of God. And his answer is the Jewish prayer, the Shema, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, alone. we shall love God with our entire beings, and we will pass this on to our children, and also... We will love our neighbors as ourselves. And Jesus says, that's right. That's right. Those are the two commandments I would have chosen. That's right. But then the student, he puts the sticky question out there and says, but who is my neighbor? And in that question, I think I can hear that what the student is wanting to know is, okay, who are my people that are deserving of my compassion and my mercy and my attention and my goodwill? Who are my people? Did you notice in Leviticus, as Pastor Clay was reading it, how there is a commandment to not talk ill of your people, right? So it is a valid question. Who are my people? Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers with a story. And so he goes through telling this story that is full of everyday stuff that would be familiar. Everybody sitting in the room would have known that that road between Jerusalem and Jericho was a dangerous road, that there were a lot of robberies on that road. They would have known that. But what would have caught them off guard 
was that two clergy passed by a guy that needed help. Clergy, I mean, we're supposed to do something about people that need help, right? So that's the number one thing that catches the crowd off guard as they listen to Jesus telling this story. And then the second is that the one who does offer aid to the man in the ditch is a Samaritan. There was lots of enmity between Jews and Samaritans. They had different scriptures. They both claimed to worship the God of Israel, but their main worship places were in different locations. And then Jews thought that Samaritans had intermarried too much, going all the way back to the conquest of the northern kingdom by the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrian Empire transports people they have conquered into that place, and they transport people out to far-fung places in their empire. So they thought they had been around unclean people a little too much. But the Samaritan is the one who acts who acts on what his gut and his heart are telling him when he sees this man lying in the ditch. Do you find it ironic that this story is called The Good Samaritan? You know, the assumption is that good Samaritans are few and far between. But yet, the Samaritan is the one who acts on what his heart and what his gut tell him when he sees this man lying in the ditch. And that would have caught the crowd up short. It would have been scandalous to consider that a Samaritan would be good and would do what they should have been doing For their own people. One commentator makes the suggestion that a good way to crack open this parable is to put yourself in the position of the man in the ditch. You're in the ditch. You're in the ditch. Hold on to that thought for a minute and listen to this quote. We should think of ourselves as the person in the ditch and then ask, is there anyone from any group about whom we'd rather die than acknowledge she offered help or he showed compassion? More, is there any group whose members might rather die than help us? If so, then we know how to find the modern equivalent of the Samaritan. Who, my friends, if you're in the ditch and they offered a hand, whose help would you refuse? Would it be a member of ISIS? Maybe one of those Syrian refugees? What if it's somebody who is a known gay person? 
Ah, this is where it gets sticky for me. In our polarized climate, what if we would rather die than accept the help of the former president? What if we would rather die than accept the help of the current president? The theology that's at work here, my friends, the God that Jesus is talking about is the God that created Every person a child of God. Every person a child of God. There is no my people unless you're talking about all God's people. Who is our neighbor? All God's people. Go and do likewise. Amen.